Welcome to the Further Light Podcast, presented by Wisconsin Freemasonry, helping you accomplish your Masonic goals through education and more light. And now, I present to you Brother Napoleon Sneed Janzak and special guest... This is Brother Napoleon Sneed Janzak, and I'd like to welcome you to part two of our podcast about Masonic Travelers. In the last episode, we talked about traveling in the modern practical sense and talked with our brother Jim McGuigan on his various travels and Masonic experiences while he was in those travels. However, today we're going to explore the origins and expand on the meaning of Masonic travel and how it can enhance your life as a Mason and becoming a better leader in the Lodge as well as out of it. Let's begin with operative Masons, and we may be jumping back and forth with this, but we'll have to make it make sense. So, many if not all Masons in the early days of creating great stoneworks learned their craft through an apprenticeship style system. This simply meant they had a grading structure of levels to their craft. It was typically a guild of many styles of workers, and Masons from designers to cutters and artists and so on. There were three classes of Masons, the Entered Apprentice class, the Journeyman, and we will focus on the Journeyman part in a moment, and then of course, the Master Mason or Overseer of the Work. At every level, these workmen would go to build cathedrals and each class of worker was to work at their level with specific duties. Over time, they would get more knowledge and experience with each job and of course, become proficient in their respective degrees or classes and then test to prove up to the next skill set. As you can see by that brief example, the traveling aspect shows us a couple things. The craftsmen start their travels early on in building working relationships with other masons, and then they gain knowledge as they travel as the travel continues from cathedral to cathedral, temple to temple, structure to structure, basically job site to job site. And each site having its own unique style to learn improvise and continually improve while building indeed becoming a better man in this methodical process i would liken this to speculative masonry only in that you have the entered apprentice the fellow craft and master mason and we could also go as far as to make a comparison to the three principal officers of the lodge and of course the various workmen who make the job and labors whole with the various skill sets involved in each station or place. Uh, this brings us to today's episode and the journey of a Master Mason at the station of Senior Warden and his traveling experiences. And so, this week we have another special guest who is currently on a journey of special importance. He is currently Senior Warden of his Lodge, and in this episode I would like to bring another perspective in a Mason's journey. I bring you Brother Matt Conrad. Welcome, Brother. How are you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. So here in Wisconsin, particularly in your district, we have a couple programs that encourage Masons to travel to other lodges. For instance, we have a traveling gavel where Masons typically, um, one principal officer, the master or wardens of the lodge, and at least two other brothers from their home lodge um, go to another lodge who currently holds the gavel. And the idea behind it is to encourage travel among brothers. 
and it's done in a somewhat competitive way. So you have a few brothers that go to a lodge, and there's a lodge that holds a gavel, and it, it encourages travel. That's what it was designed to that do. Um, and then, of course, we have this uh, this other program, which is why we brought you you here today, um, and it's called the the uh, traveling gavel or the traveling apron. I'm sorry. Um, can you explain what the traveling April uh, apron is? and what the rules are. I'd love to. Um, so the traveling apron is award given out to a Mason who visits in District 12, uh, now all 17 lodges besides their home lodge, in a rolling calendar year. Um, so you have 12 months from the time you start. So if you start on March 1st, you have until March 1st of the following year to have visited all of those lodges. Um, uh, I've been trying to do it as just stated or degree nights. Uh, I believe different DDs have uh, framed it different ways as to whether you could also attend table lodges and have those counted. So basically it encourages you to travel at a minimum to the lodges within your district, you would say. Correct. correct. Um, so currently there's 18 lodges in the district, but there were 19 um, at the time you started, correct? There was, and I was fortunate enough to make it to Lafayette, uh, Lafayette's last meeting so that uh, when I am done in June, I will have visited all 18 besides my own, which would make 19. So, so how many at this point have you done so far? I'm through 12. I'm two-thirds of the way there. Okay, wonderful. So part of traveling to lodges is learning about the different lodge cultures and how they conduct business, education, ritual, etc. Um, what were some of the most unique experiences that you've had? Some of the most unique experiences thus far have just revolved around uh, the general cult culture of uh, these different lodges. Um, you definitely identify differences in how ritual and stuff like that is done, but I've kind of I've kind of pushed those off to the side and tried to focus more on what lodges that are what lodges are doing that's successful. Um, for example, there was one lodge that had a presentation from an organization they were thinking about donating some money to prior to even opening their lodge, um, and that conversation went on for a while, and then they opened lodge and conducted business, uh, which I thought was a very interesting way of doing it versus trying to schedule a special or do it after lodge when it can sometimes be starting to get late for some of the brothers. Yeah, absolutely. Did um, did you notice like meals, pre-meals or, or post-meals, uh, that kind of thing? There's again, there's a lot of different culture when it comes to that. I know um, at Lake we do a we do a pre meal, uh, so that's kind of what I had been used to. Uh, there's a number of other lodges that do pre meals. Um, there's also a good amount of lodges that do it after uh, the meeting, which uh, I found interesting depending on what time they decide to meet. Some of these guys are having dinner at nine o'clock at night, which for me is out of <laughs> out of bounds because I get up at three in the morning for work. Sure. Um, but uh, they're. Uh, there's lodges that go out for um, dinner after their meeting uh, versus cooking on their own. Uh, that's that to me is a is a was a lot of culture shock. I know I understand not every building has a kitchen, uh, but we put a lot of we put a lot of importance on our cooking at my lodge, and uh, I think that's important if you have the ability to. Absolutely. Do you think that that would bring you know brought about some fellowship and maybe some different aspects to masonry other than just the typical visiting a meeting? I think it does. Um, I enjoy the fellowship during a meal and, you know, a meal, especially in the Midwest, we, we like our food. Uh, mm -hmm. A meal can be a very, 
a very bonding experience uh, where you have the opportunity to speak with brothers you might not otherwise. And of course, during a business meeting, you're not sitting there having a whole lot of conversation. So the aspect of having a meal either prior to or after Lodge for the purposes of fellowship is of huge importance, in my opinion, so that you can have that time to come together as brothers and enjoy each other's company. And you're not just working on which charity are we going to give money to? Who's in charge of planning this event? What bills do we do we have to pay? Um, I think that the fellowship aspects very important to a well-functioning lodge. Yeah, absolutely. So what if anything different there or something that you was unexpected did you experience when visiting a, a lodge? I think the most intriguing one uh, was after an MM degree I was at. Uh, MM degrees are long. Yes. <laughs> um, so they had pizza and cake afterwards, and it's always a celebration after something like that. So it was great just to be able to have the interactions. There were so many different people there from other lodges or from, uh, grand lodge representatives. Um, and it's, it was at a, uh, lodge that's been around for quite a while and does excellent degree work. So it was great to just be able to congratulate everybody, have a good time with them afterwards, have a lot of conversations with this new brother, um, about, everything he had just gone through and hear everybody's different opinions on, you know, looking back at the degree. And, you know, that's just always a great conversation when you see a well done degree and you can have, have that more higher end conversation about it afterwards. Wonderful. So in your travels and your, those particularly uh, particular experiences, have you been able to talk about it in lodge or, or express that to brothers that normally aren't traveling as much as you are right now? I've brought it up a little bit. Uh, I'm kind of waiting until my journey's over uh, to really try to digest all of it and give them a succinct explanation of why I feel like this is important to do, uh, especially before you get into the East. Uh, I'm not saying everybody should go as far as trying to do a traveling apron. I understand that's that's quite daunting to visit that many lodges in a 12-month period, let alone if you try to push it a little bit faster and do it in less than 12 months. Uh, so, but I think it is important to at least visit some of the other lodges. I think some of the, one of the biggest things I've pulled from this whole experience thus far is every lodge has their own strengths and their own culture. And we all have to remember that we are on the same team. We are all Masons. We are all here to support each other. And if you go visit a lodge and find out they have somebody who's excellent at social media and you feel like your lodge could be doing better on social media, tap into that resource at that other lodge. Or if you go visit a lodge and they're really great at planning large events and you want to start trying to do more events, reach out to that person at that lodge and try to gain some knowledge from their experience and let's all help each other out here because everybody has their own strengths and experience level and there's so much talent across this district there's no reason we shouldn't be working together to use those resources for the betterment of all the lodges wonderful i i i, I think that's a, a wonderful way to put that um now you've told me that you are you've been a mason for about five years um, and so you're currently the senior warden of your lodge. It is largely, you know, largely believed, and you kind of touched on it a little bit, that travel is essential in your journey to the east and becoming worshipful master of your lodge. Um, 
from uh, your perspective um, or your experiences this far, um, why do you believe it is important to travel? And not just to events, you know, or not just to meetings, but like events and things like that as well. I think I think it's important to make the connections with other people in the district, uh, especially before you get to the east, um, so that if you have something going on and you want to try to get other lodges involved, or if they have something going on and they want to try to get your lodge involved in it, you, you guys already have a little bit of a rapport with each other. At least people know your face if they see you, right? So it makes it easier to reach out and be like, hey, we're doing this event. We would love it if you could bring a bunch of guys from your lodge if they've seen you at their lodge. You know, there, there needs to be a little reciprocation. We always talk about wanting to get more people at events and stuff like that. Well, it's great if we say we want 30 people from other lodges to show up this, to this event we do, but then it's not really fair to the, to the other lodges if we don't show up to the events they're putting on. Um, and that goes for everybody. I, that's that's across the board. I think lodges need to do a better job supporting each other. I agree with you there. I think that the more brothers get out and travel and and, and get to some of these lodges, they're going to get what we like to call a master's wages by doing the same and reciprocating, like you said, and really getting something out of each other. You know, take a little bit from this lodge and a little bit from that lodge and turn it into something bigger and better. Um so with with those um, travels and what you're talking about now, um, is was there any distinct differences from what you've been accustomed to in your own lodge that you saw elsewhere, possibly? Yes, uh, there has been. And it can go anywhere from how strict a lodge is about doing everything exactly the way it's written in the ritual or being a little more easygoing about it or making sure everybody's in a suit or being business casual or in a t-shirt or something like that. And for me, I, during my travels, I have arrived at every lodge unless I've been told not to in a suit. If the lodge dresses down from there, it's easy enough to take off the tie and jacket and you're right back to business casual. Um, I think it's important to understand that different lodges do have different cultures. Uh, my own lodge wears suit, 90% of the time, but we go casual in the summer. We do a, in April, we wear brewer's jerseys and celebration opening day. You know, if, if you work hard, you can also play hard. And some lodges, you know, a lot of lodges do that. And I think you should be able to do that. Um, um, and I think just showing up with a respect for yourself in how you're going to present yourself to perhaps people you've never met is, uh, very important, and then altering that to match their culture so they don't feel out of place with you there or you don't feel out of place being there is important. Absolutely. So originally when you decided to do the traveling apron and visit every lodge in the district, what prompted you to do that in the first place? I had actually been thinking about doing a traveling apron since after I uh, got raised. It was always something that was in the back of my mind that I wanted to at least visit every lodge in the district. Um, even if I didn't, hadn't done it in a calendar year and I had done some light traveling prior. Um, and then we started putting a little more importance on traveling. We've been taking our, uh, entered apprentices and fellow crafts to other lodges that are putting on the same degree so that they have an opportunity to see it put somewhere else. And I was like, you know, there is something to this traveling thing. 
and then this year I, as senior warden, I was like, compared to what I did as junior warden, I have a little more free time on my hands to get ready for next year. I'm going to travel this year. And I just, I, my wife's a saint for letting me do it with a small child at home. Absolutely. Um, but, uh, you know, I set out to get it done uh, in about six months and uh, I'm going to finish about right where I wanted to finish at. So it's been stressful, but enlightening at the same time. And I think it's going to be very valuable for my continued Masonic career. And I don't think I'm done traveling anytime soon. I think when I'm done, I'm, I'll definitely probably visit the, all these lodges that I've been to again at some point, not as, as in a stressful time period, sure. but um, I also want to take it outside the district and start working on visiting other lodges across the state of Wisconsin and even yeah. down into Illinois. Absolutely. I just got back from Illinois, as a matter of fact, but I can I can definitely tell you that once you get through your, your traveling experience within the district and you start to venture out, the cultures change even more drastically, and you really pick up on the differences and all those little nuances you were talking about uh, when it comes to you know, how they dress and, you know, what manner of ritual are they doing and how are they doing it and, um, and other little, you know, personal touches they put on, put on their stuff. All in all, uh, the experience is all about, you know, learning more and, and improving yourself in masonry and really preparing yourself in, in your leadership role. Um, you've kind of alluded to that a little bit as a senior warden. Um, it is the perfect time to really travel it uh, gives you more experiences in other lodges and how to plan to make it better, you know, and improve on some of the things that you saw, liked or dis didn't like. And I'm going to ask you about that in a second. <laughs> um, but I think it's vital, especially as a senior warden. So on that note, lastly, I would like to ask, what were some of the best and worst experiences in your travels? We'll start with the best ones first. Best experience... Um I'm going to give, I'm going to give a shout out to uh, my guys. I love going and visiting Lincoln Lodge. This wasn't the first time I had visited Lincoln Lodge. Uh, seeing those guys is great. They're always uh, very welcoming and just a super friendly and great group of guys out there. Um, I always have a good time when I go and visit them. Um, the worst experience I've had would probably uh, just revolve around couple things I don't like seeing, uh, books open during opening and closing, stuff like that. Um, you know, I understand not everybody's a great ritualist, um, and you don't need to be a great ritualist to be a great leader in the East. I, I, I think it's important that we make that differentiation between the two, is that you don't have to be a great ritualist to be able to be a good, worshipful master. Um, is it important? Yes, but I think the ability to open and close your lodge at the bare minimum should be something that, you know, every worshipful master should be able to do. Absolutely. And so some of the worst experiences and some of the travels you've been to, nobody ever likes this question, but, <laughs> you know, we got we got to know what some of the some of the stuff is that we can improve on as well. I think it would help I, help our audience understand the differences that we could uh, help each other with. I think like I was just talking about with the uh with the ritual that would probably be one of the one of the disappointing experiences I would say over worst um worst experience 
I haven't necessarily had a terrible experience yet. Good. Um, I still have six lodges to go, so uh, perhaps that'll happen. But, you know, the beautiful thing is we share a common language, right? Mm-hmm. We're, we're all Masons. We share that common language and that common bond of having gone through the same things. So at the end of the day, you should be able to have a conversation with one of your brothers, and there shouldn't be any distance or anything like that, you know? Um, I've been letting all the secretaries and stuff know in advance of my visits so that they at least know I'm coming and that I'm not catching anybody by surprise. Um, cause I feel like that's just a common courtesy that should be extended while you're traveling. Well, that's a good, that's a good thing to bring up right now. So what, what was your process then, you know, uh, between each visit? Was it just simply contacting the secretary or I was emailing secretaries typically, um, if for some reason I didn't get a response from the secretary in a timely manner, I'd usually reach out to the worshipful master. Um, but I've been, I've been contacting them yeah, maybe a month ahead of time just to confirm Yes, we are meeting that night. Yes, that is the time we meet. You know, sometimes I've asked what dress code is. I usually don't. It's been offered up a couple of times so that I understood, you know, how that particular lodge dressed. So I had the um, heads up on it. Yeah. You know? yeah um, but uh, yeah, I've been contacting about a month ahead of time just to let people know I'm going to come there. Um, you know, especially if it's a lodge that does meals beforehand. A lot of times they'll go based off the average number of people that they have show up and I don't want to skew their numbers or all of a sudden take a, take a meal because they didn't plan on me being there. Sure. Um, you know, and that's the other good thing that's to find out with reaching out in advance, whether a lodge does a meal beforehand or afterwards or not at all. Um, so that's, that's part of the benefit of reaching out as well. So you, you kind of know what you're, Sure. walking into prior to um and i think that's probably eased a lot of the tensions and part of the reason that i maybe haven't necessarily had a bad experience um because they know i'm showing up so and i've had contact with at least one person already being the secretary or the worshipful master so even though it's been over email that introduction becomes a lot easier if I've mm-hmm. never met anybody at that particular lodge. Like, hey, we talked over email versus, hey, I'm Matt, I'm over at Lake and you've never seen me before and have no clue who I'm at and you've never heard from me. So typically they would, uh, you know, obviously you have to be vouched for to get into a lodge. So would they ask you for like a, you know, a dues card or something like that? Or has that ever happened to you? I have not been asked to see my dues card yet. Okay. However, there hasn't been a lodge I've visited yet where I didn't know somebody that was sitting in that lodge. So, yeah, you're, you're <laughs> basically vouched for it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I always like to leave the last minute or so with uh, any reflections or anything you'd like to talk about before we uh, we say goodbye. I would just like to uh, tell any of the brothers that are listening that travel. Travel often. It, travel as much as your as you can, um, as your time and funds allow. Uh, Don't overextend yourself Mm -hmm. in the name of traveling, but travel, meet other brothers, make those connections, travel early in your career. Definitely, if you're in the line, travel before you get to the East. Don't necessarily focus on accomplishing a traveling apron, but definitely get out there, visit other lodges, see people, get seen, 
and remember that we're all in this together and let's find a way to bring these lodges closer. We're not, we're not against each other. We're, we're here to stand each other up and we need to help each other when possible. So tap into those resources that you find out exist at other lodges. And, you know, nobody's ever going to say, no, they won't help you um, when they're skilled at something in masonry. So, you know, if you're at a lodge that has great ritualists and you guys need help with ritual, ask them if they will come help your lodge. Um, If you're at a lodge that puts on great events, ask them. They will give you the roadmap to putting on a great event. They're nobody's going to hold that information back and the more we do that the more we'll all succeed i agree with you well brother i'd like to thank you for taking the time out of your day to come and visit us and share with us your experiences in this great journey we share as freemasons um good luck on your travels i hope you get those six in and uh and i appreciate you stopping by thank you thanks for having me i appreciate you asking me to do this Uh, it was a lot of fun all right take care brother have a good one This is Napoleon Sneed Janzak, and on behalf of the Further Light team, thank you for listening. Are you interested in learning more about Freemasonry in Wisconsin? Visit wisconsinmasons.org to learn more about masonry and access further educational content and more light. Once again, that address is wimasons.org. Any questions, comments, or suggestions, please email us at education at wisconsinmasons.org. And thank you for listening.